0: This is Bragging Rights, a show all about college football where the conversations are lively, the topics are trivial, and the hosts are semi knowledgeable. And now, here are your hosts, Madison and Pierce.
1: Welcome into another edition of Bragging Rights. Don't adjust your podcast settings. That is my voice. I was at the world's largest outdoor cocktail party last weekend. Might have got a little too rowdy. Uh, I definitely did a little bit too much yelling, so I am still struggling with having a uh, full range of volume as well as tone back in my voice after that. But we are here nonetheless to break down the Week 10 action. Uh, It was a tough week for us here in the router household, but we are going to break it all down nonetheless. Before we get into it, let me introduce my co-host, I am Madison and I'm joined as always by my brother Pierce Pierce. how are you?
0: I'm struggling. I'm struggling honestly uh, I'm looking forward to golf more so than football this weekend and that's sad to say because I am uh, as you know such a big football fan but you know I'm, I'm still excited to see how the end of the season goes. I'm as a football fan. I'm just excited to see how the season plays out and how um, you know some of these upper echelon teams play out because obviously our team is not in there. That being said, excited to win win y'all some money and, and break down some of these games moving forward.
1: Yeah, it's going to be uh, a tough week going forward, but there is football, and I just keep reminding myself that just a few months ago, we weren't sure we were going to make it this far. So uh, it still stinks, and it sucks to be here in this situation knowing that there's really not a ton more to play for necessarily uh, on the season. But nonetheless, uh, super excited to still have some football to talk about, and we're, we're looking towards the end here. And it's it's starting to it's gonna be gone before you know it. So trying to relish every little bit. But we do it's gonna be interesting, Pierce, this weekend with the Masters going on, as well as football. Uh, It's really a once in a lifetime, hopefully, thing that we see in our lives uh, of getting to experience two mashups of sports like that. So it's going to be a really fun weekend. I'm excited to get the uh, double screens going downstairs, uh, be able to watch football as well as golf at the same time. Uh, but yeah, like I said, hopefully that's a once in a lifetime thing. I- I'm really looking forward to the return of normalcy here uh, in 2021 uh, and hopefully being able to go to more games next next year and everything like that. Um, as, due to my voice, I'm going to try to not talk as much. I'm going to let <laughs> Pierce carry a lot of the load when it comes to breaking down the uh, the games here this, uh, this past week. But I do have some good and bad and uglies, and then he'll recap it with the uh, the braggers of the week. He's going to carry that as well. But let's break down our good, our bads, and our uglies. Pierce, this is where we recap the good performances of the week, the bad performances of the week, and the downright ugly performances of the week. Hey, Pierce, I got to tell you, my good performance of the week has to be this Indiana Hoosiers team. Uh, I really think that Tom Allen has a reason to say that he could potentially be a finalist for Coach of the Year. You could throw Sam Pittman in there as well. Uh, they beat Michigan 38-21. to They're sitting at 3-0, and tied for first in the Big Ten East. Now they still have a long road to go, and they could very easily lose the rest of their games. But I don't know if I see it happening. This just is a scrappy team. Michael Penix Jr. looks really good. Uh, and, and like I said, they just have what it takes to Seemingly get it, seemingly get it done there in the Big Ten East, and I'm super excited to see what they have in store for us down the line. Uh, and, and you know, I I could see them having another couple, couple shocking wins. Uh, I don't think that, that necessarily lasts forever. I don't think we're looking at an undefeated Indiana team, but there's no reason to believe that the ceiling is not as is not higher than we first originally thought going into the season. So I'm super jazzed for the Hoosiers. Uh, like I said, uh, sitting at three and so far. Tom Allen, phenomenal, phenomenal job by him. So that's my good. point performance of the week. How about you?
0: Mine's no surprise here. Got to go BYU. BYU obviously was uh, under some scrutiny. They haven't played many, many upper echelon opponents. I think they've beaten Boise State one time over the last 16, 17 years. Uh, Going into this game, they came out and absolutely dominated. Yes, Jack Sears obviously went down with an injury early on. That changed the, uh, the outcome of this game. Uh, or the outlook of this game not the outcome because I I don't think Boise State could have stopped this this BYU team so um regardless of what Boise State might have done with jack Sears Zach Wilson and company absolutely put up numbers uh winning 51 to 17 I gotta go uh, my my good of the week BYU obviously they're fighting to get into the playoffs so got to give it to the Cougars
1: My bad performance of the week, Pierce, is the chances of finishing the 2020 season. So like I said at the top, I'm super excited to have football and I'll relish every single game we get to play. But this past 48 hours, specifically in the SEC, has been brutal. A number of games being postponed. Lots of teams having uh, breakouts and and we're still waiting to see about those as well. Uh, You know, this is going to be one of those weeks when we talk about things, just go ahead and take it with a grain of salt that it could have very easily changed by the time we record to the time that we post the episode to the time that you hear it. So just know that things are kind of in limbo this week, and I think that's to be expected as, as teams are starting to kind of realize that they're not in it anymore or what are we doing here playing this you know season that we're losing every game and you know I'm killing myself for this and I'm not even getting to party and have a good time like a college student usually is uh, and my buddies are and I've been you know under lock and key to try to get through this season. And so some of these teams that, that – you know, aren't in it anymore going, Hey, I'm going to go out and have a good time. I'm in college. I get to do this one time. Uh, it doesn't strike me as any coincidence that 10 days ago was Halloween and 10 days now later, we are starting to have some breakouts on these college campuses specifically with the football teams. So that's really unfortunate. I'm I'm holding out hope they'll be able to figure it out. Uh, but you know, Hey, there'll be, there will be games played. I'm just not so confident anymore. That every team is going to get a full season in, uh, specifically in the SEC, uh, because they had even built in some bye weeks, extra bye weeks and stuff to try to make it all happen. And now we're looking at a situation where Bama and LSU is postponed, but uh, LSU and Florida was already postponed uh, a week, uh, two weeks prior to this, so... You know, when do you reschedule those? There's no common open dates anymore. So, you know, something's going to have to go. But like I said, there's football. That's all that we can ask for. But, yeah, my bad performance of the week is the chances of finishing the season because I'm starting to go, ooh, starting to look a little bit uh, haphazard a little bit.
0: My bad's the the uh, quarterback room at the University of Georgia, and that's no surprise. Uh, and, and this is not a blame on Stetson Bennett. Listen, folks, this is... This kid has come in and he's done enough. If this were seven, eight, ten years ago, this this kid would do just enough to win the national championship. Don't put this on him. He he does come out and, and he do, he is able to do some things. He got injured early on. It's more so an indictment on what Georgia has, uh, you know, behind him. The fact that a fourth string walk on quarterback uh, is having to play for Georgia is uh, 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 an abomination for this University of Georgia program. It's time to put Beck in. It's time to force JT Daniels on the field regardless of his freaking parents or insurance wants him to. I don't give a damn. If he doesn't want to play or his parents won't let him play or insurance, get rid of him. Kick him to the curb. I don't give a damn. Get Beck in. Get somebody in here. I want somebody, to, to the young guys, to get involved and, and, and let them do something because while I love what Stetson's done, he's been a great contributor to this program this quarterback room behind him is is a joke and, and you got to get ready for the future so my bad is the uh, Georgia back quarterback quarterback room
1: all right, my ugly performance of the week kind of piggybacks off of yours. I kind of want to re- have a little bit of a rebuttal to what you said. I don't. I, I know that there's been a lot of hoopla and stuff on message boards, and I'm admittedly not on those uh, about whether or not there's an insurance policy out against JT Daniels and his legs, or whether you know his family doctor doesn't want him to play. And I don't know. Maybe there's warrant to all that. But Kirby Smart is my ugly performance of the week because with the way that your team has looked this past year, uh, this past season, after a lot of high expectations. And now granted, for the first few weeks, we thought maybe Stetson would be able to handle some of it, but he's totally, the wheels have fallen off. And, and, and I think it more so falls on Kirby's lack of trusting JT. And, and, and I don't think necessarily he's too loyal to people. I don't think he's necessarily uh, going, well, Stetson's my guy and I'm loyal to him. But I will say that he's he's saying, in if you believe what he's saying in press conferences, JT's ready to go healthy-wise. I mean, he's healthy. He's just not good enough based on what uh, Kirby is saying in press conferences. I mean, he even said this past week, you know, the legs ready to go. He's not been he's been taking regular reps in practice. He's not been wearing a brace but he just hasn't had the reps that the other two guys have had. Well, you know what? I'm sorry for lack of a better term, but F that, Kirby. The guy's a freaking former five-star. He played at USC. You've got a guy who just came off brain surgery and looks like he literally has no idea what's going on, and then another guy who was a former walk-on and wasn't good around the first time around, and you all even told him going into the season, hey, bud, you're just not going to get any reps. We're sorry about that. And then you've got a four-star sitting on your on your bench as well, but at least you've got a five-star who threw for 2,000 yards at USC. That's got to be something. And I know he hasn't seen the field in a while. I know he had a pretty hor- horrific injury. But to me, if, if it's really a matter of whether or not he's ready to go and good, then I don't think you're doing enough as coaches to, to truly evaluate his talent. And maybe you are being too loyal to your your, your players who have – quote-unquote gotten the job done. Uh, I'll say this, too. You know, I understand it's a little bit of a hard situation because you got Jamie Newman a lot of the first-team reps in the minimal offseason that you had, and then he leaves you high and dry. I don't know what happened behind closed doors there. I've heard rumors that maybe he wanted to be named the starter. You wouldn't do it, and he, you know, left because of that. I'm not sure. I Again, I don't know where to buy into all these rumors. All I know is the honeymoon period is over. And I'm not ready for a divorce from Kirby Smart. And people who are calling for Kirby Smart's head are stupid. And people who are saying he's the next Mark Rich are, you know, are stupid, in my opinion. Because the dude has been able to get there. And, and granted admit, admittedly, each season it's looked worse and worse and worse. Again, like I said, honeymoon period's over. I'm not ready to divorce the guy, but we need to go to couples therapy and start really addressing some things. And I'm glad that they're finally putting his feet to the flames and saying, "Hey, well, you got to answer these questions. We're going to ask the hard stuff. We're not just going to praise you because this is the this is this what he does in the next few games and what he does in the off season is really going to show me whether or not he's an elite coach. And if he's not able to answer what's happening, then okay, he's Mark Rick Jr. If he's able to truly make the adjustments, then I see no reason why this team can't eventually turn into an Auburn, not Auburn, sorry, an Alabama or a Clemson-type dynasty situation. But all I know is you're letting things pass you by, and each year it's getting worse and worse and worse. And I, you know, we we balk a lot at Oklahoma being, you know, leaps and bounds behind other teams, even though they still look like they're one of the more elite teams in the program. Uh, And, you know, you could have thrown Notre Dame there in the past few years as well this year they maybe look legit, I'm not sure. We'll have to talk about that later. But Kirby, this is the time now for you to make some adjustments and really show that you're an elite coach or not. And if you're just a D coordinator who got really lucky, then we're gonna find out here in the next couple of seasons. We're gonna find out the next couple of games. And to your point, you just you play for next year. You gotta hope your guys stay healthy. You gotta hope they come back and you don't have too many people going into the draft. But you've got to figure out the quarterback situation and, and I'll say this, you know, I I hate all of the things people saying Justin Fields, if he was still at Georgia, can you imagine? Well, he's not, y'all. And I don't think Kirby mismanaged that situation. But public relations-wise, he's got to figure out some internal stuff and some external stuff, and he's got to realize how bad this looks. So that's my ugly performance of the week. Sorry for going a little bit of a rant, uh, but but I just had to get that off my chest because as someone who sat there and watched uh, in person the Georgia-Florida game it was baffling to me uh, the lack of ability that we have and, and, and to know that there's a five-star sitting on the bench and, you know, for whatever reason, isn't playing. And then he's not really given a good answer for why he's not, other than he's just not as good as the other guys. Bullshit. He's he's a former five-star who got put up 2,000 yards at USC. Play the guy. And if he's an, and to your point, if it's a matter of him not wanting to play, then boot him and play Carson and say, okay, bud, then you need to get out because you're not here to help our program win. And you know what? We're you know it's just not going to happen for you. But I don't think it's that. I think it's genuinely Kirby being afraid to make big adjustments. And you've got to do it, homie. This is your this is your shot. You're playing. You're coaching is your alma mater. Make it happen.
0: Well, and and just to add real quick to that, I saw some things this this week that said it wasn't the insurance company; it was his parents. Well, I've heard and, it's the and, family and doctor. That's sad There's so as many hell. rumors out there. I don't believe And That's believe why him. I said. I that's why I said him. if if he's not ready to go or if you can't trust him, kick him to the curb. Because I don't give a damn what happens. I've to him. never
1: met you JT Daniel's parents, off. Pierce. But if you're a competitor, SoCal, you don't care SoCal what your Cal parents. Pro- it's bullshit. Well, that, I don't believe. That's what I'm saying. I don't believe those rumors. Because if you're a competitor at all, you say, "Mom, Dad, sorry. Don't give a crap." That's, I don't believe those rumors. I'm not sure what you're reading, but I I, I don't think I think it's genuinely Kirby not thinking the guy's good enough. And if he's not, let us see it at least as fans, and then you can tell us. Told you so. But you you're doing a really poor job of mismanaging that. So, anyways, um, I didn't mean to to get on my horse. We can talk about that a little bit down the road. <laughs> What's your ugly performance? Of I the love week? it.
0: I love it. I love it. Um, and we'll hit on this more. Uh, my ugly is is quite frankly as as ugly as you made that sound. It's not even close to as ugly as the debacle that is, uh, up. Penn State at State College, uh, Pennsylvania. The 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 fact that the Nittany Lions are going through this year is an absolute joke. I, I think James, James Franklin ought to be fired. Um, they've been on his ass for the last couple year couple couple years now, and and he's been able to produce and and I and I and I like that. He is a good coach. He can rally guys around. He is a good recruiter, but he fails to get. He's kind of like a Mullen, and and I know people are going to joke. Mullen got over the hump. I'm sorry, once in every five years doesn't make a difference to me. Um, a, a, blind nut, a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then. James Franklin can't get over the hump. He's 0-3. He lost to Indiana when he shouldn't. I get it. Okay, they lost. They they could have won that game. It's a, it's a crazy scenario. They lost to Maryland who many people thought was the worst team in the Big Ten. And it comes down to turnovers. And and you look at it, Sean Clifford put up good numbers. They failed to rush the ball all that effectively. And and they failed to be disciplined. And a team like Maryland who lost to Rutgers uh, or lost to Northwestern by, what, 50? To come into State College and absolutely beat up Penn State is a joke. It's, it's, It's Penn State. That is the ugly performance of the week, bar none.
1: All right, there you go. That's our good, our bads, and our uglies. Took a little bit longer than that, than I anticipated. But like I said, I got some thoughts and feelings about the Georgia Bulldogs right now. Uh, But we'll get more into that. I was sitting here
0: waiting to speak, and I just got.
1: I had to get on my soapbox for a second. Listen, people, tune in. We've got a special project coming. <laughs> Pierce has already been talking on the mic for an hour and a half without me. I got I got to get my uh, energy, my pent up energy out.
0: You think my voice would be the one that's hoarse?
1: I'm really struggling. We're gonna. I'm not gonna <laughs> hey, speak much during this Hey, It's
0: way part. better than two nights ago. Yeah, so I got I love home it. after
1: the Georgia-Florida It was a struggle. I was on the plane, and you already have a mask on, so you're already muffled. And the flight attendants are like, "You know, you want water?". I'm like, "No."
0: <laughs> you You came home and you said, "I said, hey, how's it going?". He went, and I and your dog looked at you like and ran away, and I went, "Oh my god, he's scared of that!" Yeah, Arizona. it was not good.
1: It was not a good situation. And and I answer phones for a living, so that was a struggle. Uh, yeah, not great, not great. But I'm I'm back a little bit. All right, let's break it down, Pierce. Let's look at our, the week ten games that we covered and we predicted. Uh, you've already alluded to it as your good performance of the week. The number nine BYU Cougars go into the Smurf Turf to take on the number twenty one Boise State Broncos. This was a weird one. This was a really weird one because you have a full slate of games, basically, that BYU's been playing, and Boise State's just in action. They've only This was their third game of the season. But BYU stays perfect. They win this game in an absolute schlacking 51-17. to uh, Zach Wilson is starting to really, really get some Heisman hype. He's starting to really get some hype in the draft. I'm hearing, you know, prior to this season, people were like, oh, Trey Lance is the third best quarterback, and now I'm hearing people say, Zach Wilson is is the third best maybe second best in this class depending on who comes out uh he was 20 he had 22 uh completions 28 attempts 360 yards and three touchdowns uh and and, I mean there's just not much to say about this BYU team except for the fact that I really kind of hope that maybe some chaos happens and they get a shot at the playoffs because I think that they could maybe really have a shot at it uh they're a fun team to watch, and again, I've already praised them for being able to get on the field, good on you guys to figure out a season, good on you to get some good competitors, and good on you to thrash people. Uh, I don't know what the Mormons are doing up there in uh, Provo, but it seems to be working. BYU rolls in this one, and my question for you is, what's the ceiling? I mean, how 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 much more do you think the BYU Cougars have in them? Is this one of those fluke 2020 things, or are they just really elite?
0: Well, this BYU team's already played eight games. Uh, they've got to figure out some more games to play. they play played North Alabama and then San Diego State to, to finish out the year. They've got to figure out another game here or there uh, to play. They just haven't had – they haven't played much in, in, in the form of competition. This was their big game. They had Jack Sears on the opposing side. The backup quarterback for Boise State go down um, early on in that game. Granted, Boise – or BYU – did what they needed to do. They needed to come out and absolutely blow out Boise state. And they did that. And I still think if Jack Sears was in the game, they still would have won by, you know, 17 points. So that would have been enough. Um, but BYU needs to come out and they need to, they're, they're in the hunt, but there's no way that they're ahead of Cincinnati. If Cincinnati wins out, Cincinnati has the, uh, the better uh, schedule They they face some tougher opponents. They've had, they've been in some bigger games but yeah, I agree. I mean, Zach Wilson is getting some some pub for for Heisman and, and a top, you know, one or two pick uh, first or second round, not first or second pick overall. That being said, uh, you know, BYU came out and took care of business. Uh, Zach Wilson threw to Gunnar Romney a lot and um, they, they took advantage of what Boise State, uh, you know, their their inefficiency. So uh, give it to the Cougars. They They came out and did what they needed to do
1: the number 23 Michigan Wolverines and the number 13 Indiana Hoosiers Indiana wins this one 38 to 21 that brings the Michigan Wolverines to just 1 and 2 so far on the season and it improves Indiana to a 3 and 0 record again they have got a gauntlet coming up but they look Pretty good, and I think that they can run with everybody except for maybe Ohio State at this point. Even then, I could see them potentially, you know, throwing in a wrench in the Buckeyes' plans. Uh, hey, give credit to where credits due. The Michigan Wolverines were held to just 13 yards of rushing. Uh, not great if you're going to have to put it in the hands of Joe Milton. Now, granted, he we were seeing his praises after week one, uh, but he had, despite having 340 yards through the air, he threw two interceptions, and the Hoosiers really capitalized on that. So, like I said, good on them. Michael Penix Jr. continues to look pretty good. Uh, he... Through He attempted 50 passes, Pierce, which is a heck of a ton. Uh, but that being said, he did have a QBR rating at the end of this at 82.3. So he's looking pretty good. Tom Allen has really got got the Hoosiers firing on all cylinders. And uh, like I said, to pick off Joe Milton and the Michigan Wolverines uh, twice. I'm trying to see if there was any fumbles on this one as well. I mean, it's starting to look kind of like there might be a mutual separation uh, of, of – of, the love story is over I should say between Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines and it has been for a few years I feel like and I think that there's a mutual parting of ways. There's a lot of chatter about Harbaugh being back in the pros after this season, uh, and I could see it honestly. I mean, you're not winning at Michigan. You might as well go out on a good note and not get fired. You might as well have a mutual mutual, mutual parting of ways. Uh, and and I did hear as well that they have not renewed his contract. So maybe that's some writing on the wall. It's really unfortunate because Michigan thought they had their guy. I'm not sure who they're gonna go get next, uh, but. Not not great in uh, not great in Ann Arbor, but in, on the plus side, Bloomington, Indiana is rocking, and I I'm really excited to see what the Indiana Hoosiers do. Uh, so, what did you think about this one here, Pierce?
0: Yeah, I mean, first uh, first win for the Hoosiers against uh, against the Wolverines of Michigan, I think since 1986, 1987. Yeah, it has so been a while. It's unbelievable. 27 uh, years. You, you just applaud a team like this. And it wasn't like it was a fluke victory either. You looked at this game coming in, you knew that Michigan was going to have to control the line of scrimmage. They did so defensively. But they couldn't. You you hit on it. What thirteen yards of uh, rushing?
1: Thirteen yards on eighteen I mean, attempts.
0: Come on, now for for a Michigan team that you know you know what you've got to do to win. The fact that you have to throw that many times and you can't get any yards on the ground, you know you're not going to win this game, barring some crazy crazy turn of events. You got to give it to uh, to Phoenix. Uh, the I am pronouncing that right, Phoenix. Penix? Penix. Penix. I knew I was pronouncing it wrong. you got to give a shout-out to Penix. I'm surprised he threw it this much, to be honest. But he's got weapons around him, obviously. Uh, uh, Freifogel, uh, receiver, uh, Fillier, who's obviously a stud. We've hit on him um, in our Big Ten uh, preview. Um, you know, they didn't run the ball that well, but they knew they were going to be facing some tough competition, but give it to the Hoosiers, man. I I didn't think this was a game they could come in and win. I thought the line was adding up to Michigan. And I just thought that statistically on offense, they, they weren't able to stack up as well as I thought they would. And they came out here and, and proved me wrong. I mean, I'll, I'll take the lump on my back. So, uh, give, give the shout out to Indiana. The Hoosiers are, they're right there to, to compete for the big 10.
1: The Arizona State Sun Devils and the number 20 USC Trojans. The line on this one was like close to 10 points, I want to say. Ten and a half. Yeah, and, and everybody was kind of scratching their heads going, but why? Uh, and and USC does win the game, but it was 28-27, to 27, a lot closer than, than the line would have you believe, although most people did anticipate this being a closer one. Uh, Arizona State almost gets the best of the Trojans in their home opener, but they do... Win this one. Hang on in this one. Uh, Ke- Keaton Slovis, he had uh, forty completions, fifty-five attempts, three hundred and eighty-one yards. He did throw a pick, and I'm seeing a plethora of fumbles here, Pierce, between the two teams. So kind of a sloppy one, but ultimately in the USC and and props to these guys for even getting on the field because the Pac-12 look like they might stop before they even started. Uh, but USC gets it done. You know, it it, it feels kind of weird, Pierce, to talk about Pac-12 games because we kind of know. I hate making everything about the playoff because it sh- it didn't used to be that way, and I missed when every game meant something. But there's no shot of the Pac-12 really getting a team in, and if it's gonna if they're gonna get a team in, it's gonna be Oregon. So it does feel kind of like what are we even talking about these games for? But the Pac-12 is is can still be a fun brand of football, and this close one shows it. Uh, you know, it they can. I, I think there's some intrigue. I'll I'll say that. Uh, this one, like I said, close one. Uh, USC does win it though, and I gotta know what your thoughts are here with USC. Are they as overrated as uh, this this or this final score would have you believe, or maybe where the, was this line just set really wrong?
0: I think they're overrated. I I, I did not think they deserve to win this game. I I know Keaton Slovis, uh, you know he had a, a decent statistical game, but he also threw fifty five times, and that's that's not gonna get it done. I thought Arizona State for some of their shortcomings on the offensive side of the ball. You know they had all the chance to win this game. You Give credit to USC; they came back and and won it. But even when they had the chance to go down and score to win the game, they just didn't feel like they were winning this game. It was a toss up. Um, you know, plus ten and a half. I think Arizona State exceeded expectations a little bit, and I think people are going to look at them and go, "Well, okay, we can slot them up a, a, a you know a point or two here in our rankings because." We might have expected them to be a little bit worse, and and they weren't. And and I think this team, uh, you know, I I know they have Oregon coming up, but this this team ought to to they're going to be favored in every game outside of uh, USC and Oregon. So I think Arizona State has a great chance to to even advance ahead of USC. I think USC will falter here.
1: The number twenty five Liberty Flames taking down the Virginia Tech Hokies thirty eight to thirty five. A lot of people did see this one come. Liberty looks pretty good. Hugh Freeze has the Flames rolling. Uh, we kind of thought, you people kind of thought that maybe Virginia Tech might be able to get it going. You know, it's hard to bet against a, a, a quote-unquote big team compared to a... Team that historically hasn't been good, although Liberty has been pumping a ton of money into their football program. Hugh Freeze is a good coach, and it's only a matter of time till he's back in a major conference, a major program. There is apparently some double top secret probation of him in the SEC, so I don't think it'll be in the SEC necessarily. Although maybe he's the next coach like somewhere like Michigan. I don't know. Could the stranger things have happened? Uh, but like I said, Liberty Flames get it done, at 38 to 35. And I want to hear you, Pierce, really quickly here. Uh, you know what? What do you think of Hugh Freeze and this Liberty Flames team?
0: I mean, I loved him coming in. I I went contrarian in this pick I, I, because Liberty seemed like such an easy pick at 14. Couldn't do it. I figured Virginia Tech at home would uh, would dominate on the offensive side of the ball. You know, yeah, they did have a lot of mistakes, uh, like some very costly mistakes against, against Liberty. But God, give give credit to Liberty. I mean, Hugh Freeze is going to have a job. You know what scares me? I think I think Tennessee is going to hire Hugh Freeze next year.
1: It could happen. And that Here's, scares you me. Know have, no, hold up. If you would not hire Greg Schiano, you went and got, you, you did this whole weird, th- the coaching search was, you should have heard sports talk radio in, in Nashville, Tennessee, or in all of Tennessee, when that w- whole situation was going down. You're not going to hire him because of some moral obligation, and you know, you're so superior to Greg Schiano. but you're going to go get Hugh freeze?
0: You know what's so interesting, though? What? Pruitt didn't have, uh, a- he, he didn't have a moral high ground to stand on, so...
1: that's I That mean, will just... Mi- you know what, I already... Tennessee fans already ticked me off. That'll make me even more mad. If they're not Peyton Rock saying hell no and picketing and saying we don't want this guy, then you know what? You guys are just I just think idiots. because
0: Phil Jack... Or, uh, you know... Fulmer. Fulmer. So, thank you. Fat Phil. I just kept wanting to say Fat Phil. Yeah, it was called because Phil Because Fat Phil uh, is there in Rocky Top, I think they're going to sell their soul to the Devils. And... Wouldn't surprise me, and, and I think if that's the case, I think, uh, you know, sadly enough, I think uh, there will be some uh, heads rolling. Uh, I think Mullen would be number one, and, and Smart would be number two in the next years. But regardless, I think I think uh, what Hugh Freeze did here is, is spectacular. He kept his team together. They didn't necessarily deserve to win. The, I think Virginia Tech had a chance to come down and win this game, put this game away. They had some some serious blunders, but you got to give it to, to Liberty, I mean. Their backs were against the wall. That They were 14-point underdogs here. Regardless, that's considered a win for a team like them. And to come out here in in, in Virginia Tech Hokie land and, and absolutely beat them is, is a, a fantastic feat. So give it to Liberty. I mean, there's nothing more, more to be said. Hugh Freeze is, uh, I'd say, the most highly coveted uh, head coach in, in college football.
1: I agree with you. Uh, the Nebraska Cornhuskers were back in action after missing last week due to Wisconsin having COVID issues. They lose 13-21 to to the Northwestern Wildcats. Northwestern improves to 3-0 and on the season. Scott Frost and company still looking for their first win, although I do like the Martinez-McCaffrey situation they've got going on. Uh, you know, switch some things up. Uh, Peyton Ramsey looked pretty dang good. for I say pretty dang good. It's not like he... Actually, I take that back. Look at the box score, he had two interceptions. Peyton Ramsey didn't look great. Never mind. Uh, but the Northwestern rushing attack uh, and Peyton Ramsey were able to get it done on offense uh, and defensively. Uh, it looks like they were able to stir things up enough to keep Nebraska from doing too much there. So the Northwestern Wildcats, like I said, do improve to 3-0, and though I don't necessarily love uh, you know their chances I guess in the Big Ten West, though, you've got Wisconsin. I don't know if they're ever going to get back in action. So, hey, maybe maybe Northwestern's got something in store for the rest of the Big Ten. If you didn't just see what just happened, people, I just talked myself through my whole thought process of my thoughts on this game. Uh, and I talked myself into thinking Northwestern might actually have a shot. I don't know. We'll see what happens with Wisconsin. But, uh, yeah, anyways, that's been the final on this one. I don't really have a ton of thoughts on it. Pierce, what about you?
0: I mean, I, I was all over Nebraska here in this spot. Outgained Northwestern by 120-plus yards and uh, couldn't get it done. Not surprised. You knew Northwestern was going to come in here and try and uh, control the clock, get down, and score touchdowns as opposed to field goals. But surprised that Nebraska couldn't pull this game out. They were they were very close. One of those field goals away, you know, they convert those into touchdowns to winning. I thought they were the better team. But, you know, this is uh, Northwestern's M.O., so... Northwestern came out Peyton Ramsey obviously an experienced quarterback is going to lead them and 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 give them the best ability to win so you know uh, you know Nebraska's close but no cigar that's the saying
1: the number 8 Florida Gators and the number 5 Georgia Bulldogs oh nasty nasty one in Jacksonville 44 to 28 was the final score of that I'll say this we knew at some point they were going to get the best of Georgia it just sucks that it happened in this fashion Georgia goes up early 14 to nothing, and then it was all Gators the whole rest of the game. Although the second half thought maybe the, the Georgia defense was doing enough to try to help out with Florida. You've already really heard our thoughts on the quarterback situation, but I've already kind of – I've done my rant pretty much on this one, Pierce. I'll let you take it over. But I'll say this. The people who are – praising, actually, you know what? I do have one more thing I want to say about this. The oh people Lord. who are praising Dan Mullen like he's some savant all of a sudden were the same people who a couple weeks ago were giving him hell because he said he wanted to pack the swamp. Then got COVID, and then he pulls out the Darth Gator situation on Halloween. He can't be a buffoon and also be a genius at the same time, y'all. I think he's a fine coach. He's not a great recruiter. I think he can develop things. We saw him do it in Starkville, and he's got more to work with in Gainesville. He's probably going to get the best of Georgia more often than we would like to see happen as Georgia fans. That being said, if you are sitting there acting like Mullen all of a sudden is some fantastic coach, get off of it. Come on now. And then you want to act in the same breath that Kirby Smart, who at least has sniffed the national championship is not I'm sorry until Mullen is consistently winning this game which he hasn't been doing and now the gap has closed each and, each closer and closer each year but until Mullen is consistently winning this game and in the SEC championship and being talked about for the playoffs and Kirby is not I don't want to hear that, that crap I'm sorry that just pissed me off this week that all of a sudden the, the narrative changed when a couple weeks ago everybody was making him something like the buffoon of college football uh, that being said Really good for the Florida Gators. It was really, really tough to be in the in the um, in the stadium for this one. Like I said, you knew it was going to happen eventually. We can't win every single game, and, and nobody's won this series four in a row. I think maybe ever, uh, so or maybe not ever, but at least in the last decade. So. I knew it was going to happen. I don't know if they're necessarily going to get the best of us. You and I talked a lot about it, Pierce. The biggest part of Florida Gators uh, success this season has been Kyle Trask. He's gone after this year. I don't know who's waiting in the wings, but I don't know if he's going to have the same magic as the Kyle Trask situation. They don't have a ton of talent around them, him, as except for the fact that the you know if you look at the Georgia offense, it's pitiful comparatively. That being said, defensively, they're woeful. It's just that Georgia couldn't score to save their lives. They're not going to be good in a shootout. That's just not the game. Branded football, they're going to play I am interested to see the SEC championship to see if they can keep up with Alabama I don't know if they can honestly I think Alabama is just next level I think no matter which team was going to be in it was going to be an absolute blowout Alabama congrats you're in the playoffs Florida I'm glad you have to deal with them not us that's my thoughts on this game
0: yeah I couldn't agree with you with you more on uh, Mullen Honestly, I don't even want to get started here because I'm I'm gonna go on a crazy rant and uh, it'll it'll sound like a psycho person. But I mean, listen here. You you look at it and and what has Mullin s- struggled to do over the past two three years? It's recruiting overall team. That being said, he's had good players. He's had some good defenses. He's had some good offenses. It's taken a top two to three talent at quarterback. In order to propel them over Georgia, yes, they won. They they had over two hundred and fifty yards of offense on on Georgia on the day. That being said, I mean they won by what seventeen. They could have put up a little bit more. They will routed us to death. Give it to them. They won this fair and square. You kind of knew they were. They they were due. But unless Mullen gets a quarterback like this or Dak Prescott, I don't give a damn what you think. They are not going to be able to come together as a team. They are not good enough on defense in order to win. They are going to get destroyed by Alabama. I don't even want to hear it. This is over. Give it to give it to Florida. They dominated Georgia. They picked apart us. They knew what we were going to struggle at. We had some people out on defense, but that doesn't matter because they picked apart our our, our linebackers, which most people thought would be a strength of our defense with Monty Rice and uh, Nakobe Dean. They picked those guys apart. Um, so you got to give it to Florida. They absolutely demolished us here. We don't have a quarterback. We don't. We we we, we just don't have a, a. We don't even have much of a rushing attack. Uh, as much as you want to argue against that, um, you know we've got a, a four headed monster. It's not even a monster. That being said, I, I mean, give me a break if you think Mullen's going to be better than Smart. I'll take Smart over Kirby Kirby, or I'm sorry, over Mark Rick any day. Think about this. You know, you look at Kirby, outside of his first year, he's lost, what, two games twice in four years? That's the most he's lost. Ricked with these type of teams, would have lost four to five. No indictment on Rick I love Rick I love him. He's a legend at, at, at UGA. Love him to death. He's, a, he's an even better human being. That being said... These type of teams, he'd lose four or five games, and Kirby doesn't. So the people that want to compare him to Kirby Smart or to Mark Richt are a, a, an absolute joke. Get him off, get them off the airways. That is a fucking massive whiff on their part. That being said, I'm sorry, I'm 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 uh, ranting, but you know you got to give it to it. It's such a nice feeling knowing that even without the offense. They're still going to maybe lose two, at most, three games. They're going to be in the hunt of things. Kirby will have this team back. He's got to turn the offense over to a, a good offensive coordinator, a good QB. We'll see if he can get that good moving forward. That will be the key. But, you know, to say Mullen will beat Kirby Smart the next three four years is a joke.
1: Yeah, and I'll say this too. You know, I think that we're one – We're, we're, we're a, yeah, and it's a tough, tall order. We're one good quarterback away from being elite. And, and you know what, Pierce, your point about the marker thing – reminds me because I see this comparison a lot and I always want to say I missed the part when we decided that Mark Rick was a bad coach you don't get to stick around somewhere 15 years and make it a fair amount to the SEC championship and win it a few times and get that close to the national championship a couple times and be a bad coach I, I understand he couldn't get over the hump and there was he always was good for an egg and but you know what to your point Mullen I mean, Kirby this is the first time Mullen has beaten Kirby at either team that he's coached for. Kirby has been able to get past teams like this. Maybe, maybe we're looking down three years on the road and we go, heck, those comparisons are actually better than we thought. But to your point, Mark Richt has been, was the coach starting in, what, 01? Somewhere yeah, I like believe that. it was 01. Yeah. I was seven years old. I could count on, I think, two hands, probably closer to one. I think there was maybe like six times in my entire lifetime before Kirby Smart took over that we had beaten Florida. Exactly. So hop off it for saying that, first of all, Mark is a bad coach because he wasn't. Ten and two each year is not a bad coach to me. I'm sorry. Uh, You you, you don't get to stick around a program for 15 years if you're a bad coach, first of all. Maybe we were a little too loyal to the guy. I'll give you that. But also, Kirby Smart's been getting it done versus these teams, especially Florida, and – Mark Rick was not. So so, so hop off of that. I'm sorry. I hate that comparison. And again, I want to scream every single time I hear that. When did we say Mark Rick was a bad coach? When? He wasn't.
0: He wasn't. And 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 but you look at it in in the 4 or 5 years that Kirby Smart's been here, you know, outside of the first year where we inherited a young cast of uh of football players, I mean, he excelled on that team regardless of how they played. But let me go ahead and say this. And let me put this out there on the airway. For anybody that wants to say Kirby Smart is not going to be, he is a Mark quality. He is done in a couple of years. I'm calling out you, Brandon Walker. Post this on our freaking Instagram, Twitter, <laughs> everywhere. Because let me let me say this. I have nothing against the Mississippi State Bulldogs. But let me say this. If you are going to compare Kirby Smart to Mark Richt, you are a freaking buffoon. You are a joke of someone who thinks they know anything about SEC football. I'm sorry, I literally mostly agree with what you are saying. The people that think this way and they are so blinded because they can't stand certain programs and whatever they stand for, What I don't give a damn. If you think Kirby Smart is Mark Richt-esque, you are a freaking joke. I don't – literally, you are going on Dan Mullen because of Dan Mullen. You might – I might know him. He coached at my school. He did yada, yada, yada. He couldn't get you to an SEC championship. Kirby Smart has done that in three years out of the five. I can't stand people like you who say that about Kirby Smart. Uh, Granted, I agree with you. I love the fact that you're calling Kirby Smart out because that's going to make him a better coach. That he can't, he can't understand, he can't wrap his mind around, and get an offensive coordinator and a QB to to buy in and to, to go up tempo. I get that, but the fact that you say he is Margaret Est is a joke. You have no idea about this program. You are so. Dumb and so out of touch. It's unbelievable. Go talk up Texas A&M. Go talk up the Aggies who have no chance to win the SEC. They are a Trev. I'm a Big Ten, Big 12 guy at heart. It's a joke that you think this program has a chance to win the SEC. You want to back up them? Go right ahead. I don't care. Georgia is down this year. They'll be back next year. Have fun coming into Athens against a, a, a terrible Georgia team and losing by 14, 17, maybe even more. I don't care. Get out of here with that bullshit. That is unbelievable. That is a, it's embarrassing for the SEC, the fact that you would compare Kirby Smart to Mark Rick. Get out of here. Mark Rick would have been the best thing that ever happened to your program, and the fact that Kirby Smart is here and way better and not even comparable to Mark Rick would be the best thing you ever sniffed at your program. Get out of here with that. That is bull honky.
1: All right, I love it. I'm gonna, I was going to let like, keep going. I loved it. I wanted to. I
0: I want to and I love the I love him. I love him. I'm a barstool guy. I love, I love Brandon Walker actually, I listen to all his stuff. But he gets on this rant, this high horse. Well he
1: just hates Georgia.
0: Well, but you know, he like he hates Tennessee more and, and I respect that because Tennessee is so unfathomably like oh I mean, big T is a joke. Um that being said, like I love all those guys, but the fact that he can't understand that Mark Richt had Multiple years every f- he had two years every five years where he would just go five six seven you know losses in the season when has Kirby done that exactly it's a joke it's a joke
1: yeah exactly I agree with not 200%. much more to and maybe we look like buffoons in a couple years if it all comes to pass and we're issuing an apology to Brandon Walker and I'll
0: bow my head I will bow my head I'll say Brandon love you hire me love it hire me please I was wrong but. Still, I mean, you can't compare someone that loses two games every year and can't quite get over the hump in the SEC championship game, arguably the most important game of the entire season in any conference, to someone that loses every few years four or five games. I I I can't respect you.
1: Yeah, and all the guys on that say roughness seem to love to draw that comparison. So whatever, we'll put up with it until we win the big one. It's going to happen. But, you know, we'd like to uh, formally rebut that.
0: And Thank let me just say I'm a much. TCU alum, so let's make that uh, in the forefront of everything because I, I talked as if I was a Georgia alum. So
1: No, we weren't smart I'm enough to get in bit, there. Uh, I'm unbiased. We could get into Mississippi State, though.
0: <laughs> well, hey, I, I liked them this week. I liked the under. I was on Brandon Walker's pick under. Right,
1: well, let's talk about the Texas A&M Aggies. They came in ranked number seven in the nation. We're even potentially talking about some playoff hopes, though. I think those might be dashed. We can get into that in a second. They were traveling to Columbia to take on the South Carolina Gamecocks, and they absolutely thrash. Muschamp's team 48-3 to three is the final there. Kellen Mond continues to roll, and I'll tell you what. I don't understand why South Carolina is reaffirming that Muschamp's their guy as much as we just went on a big rant about Kirby Smart being the guy in Athens, at least for now. Who knows if that's still the case in 10 years. Uh, Muschamp hasn't proven to be worth his salt at South Carolina, but maybe the buyout just so big. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but they, make, they seem like they're determined to make it work in Columbia with Muschamp. I don't see it. I don't see how he's ever going to get it done. Uh, you know, he hasn't recruited well there. He can't coach him up well. I mean, he's good for a, a shocker every now and then. Uh, you know, he beat Georgia, obviously, last year in a shocker. But ultimately, it was all Aggies. Now, I will say this. They're a little bit of a loser for me in the week, only because of the fact that poor poor Texas A&M, you come in thinking that you might potentially see the playoffs, but with a Notre Dame when you essentially, that's not going to happen. Uh, so that's unfortunate for them. Nonetheless, still looked pretty good in this game. Uh, and unfortunately, they're not going to have a game next week because that has been postponed. Although I am excited to see what the Aggies do here down the line. But like I said, this one was all uh, Texas A&M, all the game uh, long. So good for them. 48-3, to 3, the final there in Columbia.
0: I mean, South Carolina only had one 150 yards of offense. I mean... <laughs> Do you expect to beat anybody in the SEC? Right.
1: And that's with a defense that we've been panning all season long.
0: Unbelievable. And, and, and I, I, I agree. I, I think a I've said it for a while now, I think a and better than what we thought. Um, now we're starting to realize it. You know, Kellemon's big. Uh, the criticism from him has been he can't perform on the road. Well, he's not facing full stadiums. So, he's not having that extra added, uh, you know, vulnerability to his game. And, and the fact that he, the team is starting to build around him, you know, you got Isaiah Spiller coming in, you got this line starting to perform around, him, you got the defense starting come into their own. And, and now that that is the factor, you got Calumon on, who's starting to just kind of play within the offense. And, you know, for as much as I called out everybody, uh, in the, in the previous segment, Hey, I mean, I, I do like Texas a going forward. I, I, you know, I don't think they're going to get in the, into the playoff picture. I don't think they've got a shot. Um, that being said, especially with Notre Dame winning, that being said, you know, you knew they were going to be right here, maybe second best team in the West. So uh, I'm not surprised by this victory. Kellamon uh, and company. I'm more surprised by South Carolina not putting up much of an effort. I mean, 150 mm-hmm. on offense is, uh, you know, for an offense that has been especially on uh, the running, uh, rushing, you know, Calvin Harris, I mean, Surprised they couldn't get at least over 250.
1: The number one Clemson Tigers were traveling to South Bend to take on the number four Notre Dame fighting Irish. This game goes to two overtimes, and the Irish get the best of the Tigers, 47-40. to Of course, the thing that everybody wants to talk about, Pierce, is the fact that Trevor Lawrence was not in the game. He did make the trip to South Bend. He was on the sidelines, but he had not yet cleared the uh, cardio tests in order to get into the uh into the game and that's an ACC protocol thing. But e- DJ Uiagalelei, said it right that time, DJ Uiagalelei did look pretty good for the Tigers. They got a great guy waiting in the wings there once Lawrence goes to the Jets this year. Uh 439 yards through the air, but r- on the ground they just weren't able to get anything going. Only 34 yards on 33 uh carries. Not great. Ian Book was able to move the ball for the Irish He looked pretty good, and and here's the thing. You can argue all day long, well, uh, Clemson didn't have Trevor Lawrence. Clemson didn't have Trevor Lawrence. Guess what? Last time I checked, Trevor Lawrence doesn't play defense, and that was part of the issue is that they could not stop the Irish at home. Uh, You know, hey, pop off at all you guys who got mad at the uh, Notre Dame students for storming the field. Don't care. I'd have done it too. That's a big, big, huge win. Uh, I'll, I'll put it this way. If I was at Georgia and we beat Alabama at home, I'd be storming the damn field. I'll put it that way. So good on the Irish for getting it done. These two teams will play again in, in Charlotte in the ACC championship. Uh, and, and, you know, I think with regardless of what happens, I think Notre Dame punched their ticket to the playoffs with this one. I'll be interested to see what happens once Lawrence is back because, like I said, the issue wasn't necessarily through the air, although on the ground it looked pitiful and they couldn't really stop uh, Ian Book in the Irish offense. That being said, I am interested to see what they are able to do in the second meeting of these two teams. And, you know, hey, for all the flack that I've given Notre Dame through the years about being kind of given the benefit of the doubt, they joined a conference, they got it done. Uh, I don't know if we're talking about them if they're an independent. They wouldn't have been able to play many games. They'd be in the same situation that BYU was. But they joined a conference, they get it done, and they take down the top-rated Clemson Tigers. Good on them. And, uh, you know, hey, I don't love Notre Dame as a brand. I think that they're cocky for no reason. That being said, Catholics get it done uh, and and look forward to the ACC championship uh, to end the season.
0: Yeah, the number one reason here that uh, Clemson lost was the fact that their defense was absolutely atrocious. The fact that they couldn't stop Notre Dame on, 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 at the line of scrimmage, specifically running the ball, um, it, 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 you know, that's a recipe for disaster. DJ Uyunglele, am I saying that right? Lale. Lale. Uyunglele. Lale. Did I say Lale?
1: Did you not watch my mimosas in the last
0: video? Did I say that right? I did a whole
1: pronunciation.
0: Lale. Okay. You know, he had a great game. You know, it's clear what defenses want to do against him. They want to stop the run and make him throw the ball, you know, Do that at your own uh, own peril. Uyong Galila is going to put up three hundred plus yards of offense every night. Passing the ball, he can also run the ball. Where where they struggled on offense was uh, Etienne couldn't get anything going. And yes, we knew uh, Notre Dame was going to have a a good defensive line. They've got a great defense, but I mean he's he's turned the ball over way too much. And quite honestly, like even if he gets over uh, 2,000 yards of, of rushing offense. He ain't even close to the Heisman. He has really, really made this offense struggle because he just hasn't been able to get it done uh, securing the football. That being said, it was the defensive line and the defense for uh, Clemson. And Notre Dame, you got to give it to Notre Dame. Uh, Ian Book, I jumped off this team way too early, and all they did was prove me wrong the last couple weeks. So give it to Notre Dame. I'm excited for them because I'd love Notre Dame to get in because I want some fourth team to get in to, you know, that's someone that's able to compete. Not in Oklahoma. Not someone that, you know, is a foe. I want someone that can get in there and upset a one seed, and I think Notre Dame can be that person, so excited to see this uh, this game, and it's going to set up a great rematch uh, here in the coming weeks.
1: The Stanford Cardinal going up to Eugene to take on the number 12 Oregon Ducks. Oregon takes the Cardinal down 35 to 14. Like I said at the top of the pod, this was really or this is the Pac-12's only chance at really getting a team in. I'm not sure Oregon uh, is has enough time, uh, or is able to keep all of their games on the schedule in order to potentially make the playoffs. But hey, it's still a good season if they can go out and, and get a you know go undefeated. Nonetheless, and, and really the drop off between Oregon and the rest of the Pac-12 is, is pretty substantial this year, uh, despite some opt outs uh, and the such. But the Oregon Ducks, like I said, get it done. Uh, not a big surprise here, uh, and, and I'll put it this way: Oregon kind of looked a little sloppy for their first game back and uh, people were expecting more of a blowout and so you got to love the mentality that is uh, is going on in Eugene right now where they say, hey, even though we won this game against a rival 35-14, to 14, we're not happy with that performance and we want to do better. So I'm excited to see the Ducks down the line. Of course, that was, you know, that I'm, I'm, um, I love the Oregon Ducks. I really do. So, uh, like I said, interested to see what they do in the Pac-12. Stanford's got to get it together, although I don't think it happens this year. They just have uh, too many question marks. But I think that's the name of the game in the Pac-12. So we'll see. Like I said, I'm not super excited to talk about the Pac-12 this year. It just doesn't fire me up.
0: Yeah, I could care less to talk about this game, to be honest with you. Um, you know, the 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 major question coming to this game was: Would Oregon find a quarterback to? Uh, you know, they they've they've tended to have great quarterbacks over the you know past fifteen years, uh, maybe even going further back than that. Um, they got Show, I guess is his name, uh, came in and just did enough. He 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 was a game manager, and and they were able to do enough on the line of scrimmage. Um, yeah, you know, Oregon, you look at this and Oregon, just, they're just a better team. And, and, and you knew that Stanford was going to be, uh, hamstrung on the offensive side of the ball to, to put up, uh, you know, a lot of points. That being said, they had the opportunities. They just couldn't get it done and not surprised. Uh, but the way these teams are trending, you, you expected Oregon to come out here and, you know, beat them by 17 plus points and you expected Stanford to play down, um, and, and play in that pro style offense and not put up many points. So not surprised by this game one bit. Wish Stanford had uh, played uh, played up uh, to the competition that they I think they're capable of, but not going to happen this year as long as uh, as long as uh, their coach is there.
1: And last but not least, the Tennessee Volunteers. And the Arkansas Razorbacks in uh, not I, one that I was kind of excited to see the final of. Twenty four to thirteen was the final. Tennessee was up thirteen to nothing, but the third quarter was an absolute, uh, ouch for them. That's the best way I can put it. Arkansas scores 24 unanswered points. Sam Pittman, although he has contracted coronavirus, so we'll see what happens there, continues to have things rolling in Fayetteville as much as they can be for a first-year head coach with not a ton of talent, but he is getting absolutely the best out of what was given to him, and uh, Barry Odom continues to scheme really well. Uh, Tennessee looks atrocious. They got a lot of things they need to figure out, and I'm not sure if Pruitt's the guy to do it on Rocky Top like Pierce alluded to earlier. Who knows? Maybe they go and get... A Hugh Freeze. I'm not sure, again, what the buyout is for Pruitt, but I don't think they care. They'll find the money. Um, but Arkansas continues to look good. Sam Pittman's going to be a finalist for Coach of the Year, and honestly, probably deserves it. Definitely Coach of the Year in the SEC. Probably Coach of the Year nationally as well. Good on Sam Pittman, uh, and Felipe Franks is potentially going to get some uh, some vengeance here against his former team coming up. So I'm interested to see what happens there. I I think Arkansas is one of those teams that can give, he's going to be a nail or not nail, but a thorn in the side of whoever they play. Uh, Like I said, nasty, nasty things in Rocky top. You got a lot of question marks you got to figure out Pierce.
0: You certainly do. And, and, and I I liked the Pruitt hire coming in to his tenure on a Rocky top because I thought he was going to recruit and continue to recruit better talent, but also he was going to do a good job surrounding himself with uh, talented coaches and, he has failed to do that, and that has been his downfall. And and the more that he's struggled, the more that he's thrown his uh, coordinators and his players under the bus. And that's not something that you can you can trust from a leader. Loved him two years ago. I'm I'm fully off of him. If he had been semi competent, uh, someone that could take some criticism, take some uh, some heat, I think this guy could get things going in the next two three years. But. Right now, it's very apparent this guy uh, uh, shrivels up to the uh, to the criticism. He cannot take it, and uh, it's very apparent this dude needs to go, and, and that's a shame because I think ultimately he'll, he'll come back and get hired in the next four or five years and become a decent head coach somewhere at, like, a, you know, shoot, like an Indiana or somewhere like that, but... This dude, if you can't if you can't handle the pressure of a Tennessee, you can't handle the pressure of an Alabama or a Georgia or Florida or, you name it. So, um, you know he he he's out of here. It, it's it's a done deal. I'd be surprised if they kept him around. Phil Fulmer is not someone to to wait around and wait on uh, a coach because he knows that the talent's better than what the coach is able to to get out of him. So, you know, I mean Phil Fulmer, he, he his time's done. It's a it's a shame but not really because I could care less. I'd rather him be there because I'd love to beat up on him every year, but, I mean, you know, he 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 buried his own tomb here um, because he couldn't figure out how to uh, coalesce with his uh, assistant coaches.
1: All right, that's going to do it for our recaps of the top ten games that we picked last week. Pierce, if you would, please take the people through our Braggers of the Week.
0: I don't know how to put this, but... I'm kind of a big deal. Damn! Yeah. So uh, admittedly, I wish I had a little bit more here, but I love the love. I think I've got the four best uh, of the weekend. I got to go ahead and say Zach Wilson, QB for BYU 21 of 27, super efficient, 359 yards, uh, two TDs and zero interceptions. Albeit he did have one rushing touchdown and he was going against uh, the stiffest competition of the year. So Got to give it to Zach Wilson. This kid is continues to uh, to show out and uh, improve his draft stock. Second here, and and I hate to say this, uh, but I'll go ahead and say it. Kyle Trask, absolute stud. Um, Thirty of forty three for four seventy four, four TDs and one interception. One interception. It did go for a pick six, but um, you got to get you got to give it to Kyle Trask. This dude has great pocket awareness, great pocket presence. He struggles. He's kind of like Big Ben. He struggles uh, if he gets pressure on him because he can't move around uh, very well. That being said, if he has uh, the talent around him, the receivers to get open, this dude's going to find him. So give it out to Kyle Trask, uh, even though he completed about 10 of those, uh, 10 10, 10 receptions for about 150, maybe 200 yards for 474 on wheel routes. Don't think that's going to get it done in the NFL. He's gonna suck. He's gonna be a bust. That being said, uh, go ahead and give caltrask the uh, the shout out, the kudos for this week. Third, Raheem Jarrett, wide receiver, Maryland, absolute stud this week. Five receptions, 144 yards, and two TDs, uh, backing up his uh, performance the last couple couple weeks. Uh, Tui, uh, Tui? Tunga Valoa, I, I, I get it, f- I get it messed up because Tui or what is it, Talia? Talia. Thank
1: you. Yeah, I think it's that. Not-
0: God, with two and at me, I, Talia, like, I don't know what you trying to say. You know, know, it's like Uyunga, you're so concerned about the, the, the pronunciation of it, you, you you forget what the actual first name is. Talia, though, is absolutely showing out. Uh, it just took a, a week or so to get under his belt and and get some experience. And uh, he, he absolutely distributed the ball to Raheem Jarrett. So give it out to Raheem Jarrett five receptions, 140 yards, and two touchdowns. And last but not least, going Jared Dokes, running back Cincinnati, 16 carries, 184 yards, and one TD. And if that wasn't good enough, three receptions for 30 yards. This kid, uh, you know, with Spencer, uh, you know, Spencer Ritter obviously uh, back there, you know, producing numbers. It's great to have a, a, a somebody to compliment him. So give it up to Jared Dokes. So uh, those are my Braggers of the Week. There
1: you go. Those are going to do it for our Braggers of the Week. That's going to do it for our Week 10 recap. Go ahead and subscribe if you are not already so you will not miss. Any of the episodes we are putting out. We, of course, will have a week 11 preview here in the next couple of days. We also have a special project that we'll be dropping here. Oh, just probably within a few hours of you hearing this, honestly. Uh, And so you're going to stay tuned for that for our once in a lifetime opportunity to talk golf during the football season. If you're not subscribed, you're going to miss that. Another way to keep in touch with everything we're doing so you don't miss any of the episodes or any of the projects we put out is to follow us on social media. We are at bragging pod across both both Twitter and Instagram. That's bragging without the G, bragging pod. You know, hey. Like the, like the posts, share the posts, comment on the posts. Don't care. Thanks for interacting with us. We appreciate you being along for the ride. Uh, I'm sitting over here, Pierce, and I forgot to prepare an overreaction of the week. So mine's probably not going to be five words because I didn't have time to wordsmith it. Uh, but I'm going to let you go first, <laughs> and then I'll wrap it up.
0: I love that because I was actually just scrambling looking through my notes going, Oh my God! I don't have a I don't have an overreaction. I don't have, a, and I've had some terrible overreactions. You you've been a lot better at this than I have. I'm gonna go ahead and say it though. Florida isn't a top four team in the SEC. Is not. Nope.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Nope. Right.
1: That's a, an interesting way to go through your overreaction because typically it would go the other way. But that's fine. You can do whatever you want to do. Mine is gonna be staying in the state of Florida, uh, and it's that Florida State won't be good for another decade.
0: Wow, I mean, they you're you're much more creative when it comes to these things. process in front of them. Yeah, you're much more creative when it comes to these things. I, I just don't think uh, you've seen it. Obviously, Florida's third at best, and uh, I think they, they could lose to a couple teams here or there if, uh, you know, obviously if Trask doesn't overperform.
1: Woo peg that's all i'm gonna say about that all right Sweet. well that that is gonna do it for us this week with our recap like i said we'll be back in just a little bit with a couple of new episodes for you so for the Dragon rights podcast i'm madison
0: and i'm pierce stay blessed y'all